Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, Whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, She is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has steadily worked from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He's one of our kinsmen redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabites said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until I finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter-in-law, to go with these girls, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until that barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. I'm not sure about you, but I love a good love story. Do you? There's some people who do. It's good. 
I think my favourites are the romantic comedies. Um, I wonder what some of your favourites would be. Some of my favourites are movies like Serendipity or You've Got Mail or things where you just kind of fall in love with the leading lady or in barrack for the, for the man or maybe you do it the other way around. But you kind of enter into the story with these characters. You laugh with them, you kind of cringe. I love how they just draw you in and they kind of they do something to you. You kind of enter into the story of these people. Uh, the great thing about romantic comedies is they follow a script. Okay, you, you could kind of write down the script of any romantic comedy and it would basically be the same thing over and over again, but just in slightly different variations. So a man meets a woman and you know that they're meant to be together. But there's something that keeps them apart and that then drives the whole movie of that dynamic, of that tension, of how is that going to be overcome. And, and finally, they come together and it's, they live happily ever after. You never actually see the happily ever after, but you kind of assume it happens. And the book of Ruth, I think, is a love story. It, help, it actually draws you in. And you enter into the characters and what's going on for them. But it's a love story with a difference. I think it's actually two love stories. It's about the, the love that Boaz has for Ruth. But it's also a love story about God's love for Naomi. You could actually call the book Naomi. Because actually... A large part of this book is about God's love for this woman. And the thing that I find most fascinating and most joyful about this book is about how these two love stories fit together. How does Boaz's love for Ruth fit into the bigger story of God's love for Naomi? And I just find this delightful, and we're going to get a chance to look into this delightful merging of these two love stories today in Ruth chapter 2. So to have a story, you need to have a problem that needs to be overcome. Something to be overcome that kind of drives the story on. And at the start of chapter 2, we really have two problems that are related. Firstly, we have two women who are broken and vulnerable. And we have one woman, because of this, who has lost hope in God. Come with me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read a little bit of Ruth and then we're going to jump out of the story and notice a few things and then we'll jump in and out of the story. So if you've got your Bibles open, that will really be helpful. It's Ruth chapter 2, but we might actually start just at the end of chapter 1. Chapter 1, starting at verse 20. Ruth chapter 1 verse 20. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara because the Almighty has left me very, my, has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. 
So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. And Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. See, at the start of our story, we're introduced to two women, to Naomi and Ruth. And they're in great need. They're in great emotional and psychological need. They've suffered great pain and bereavement. Their husbands have died and they've been left all alone in the world. They are in great physical and social need. They are weak and vulnerable because they are poor women who are widows with no one to protect them in this society. They are in a position of great vulnerability. They are vulnerable to neglect and even abuse. They are like two ships limping into port with severe structural damage and their supplies running low. They are barely afloat as they arrive in Bethlehem. We heard last week that this has driven Naomi to change her name from pleasant to bitter. See, Naomi means pleasant and Mara means bitter. And so she says, don't call me pleasant anymore, call me bitter. She's very bitter about how life has treated her. Life has not turned out the way that she had hoped. She feels empty, bereft, hopeless, discarded, and she feels bitter. And in the midst of this, she feels that God is against her, that he is not for her, but he is against her, punishing her, afflicting her. I wonder if you can relate to Naomi. Last week, Luke asked us when we might feel like Naomi, when we might go through that experience. I don't know, I don't know about you, but I really connected uh, with this as Luke was talking about this. He asked us, when are you tempted to be bitter about the circumstances that God has placed you in? When are you tempted to feel like Naomi? Is it at work or home? At church? When health or financial issues strike? When are you tempted to feel bitter? I wonder what came up for you last week or what is coming up for you now. Well, for me, when I think about this, it it always comes up the idea of loneliness. Sometimes I can get really depressed about being lonely at times. And I sometimes wonder if God is really looking after me. And sometimes I feel angry at God. I, you know, I know that this is nothing compared to much of the suffering that many people here are going through. But each of us, whether our suffering is huge or small, can get stuck in bitterness like Naomi. So when Ruth takes the initiative and suggests to Naomi, well, she'll go and collect some leftover grain in one of the fields, 
You know, I can really empathise with Naomi's depression. She is deeply depressed and she just says, well, go ahead, my daughter. So, Ruth goes out, defenceless and vulnerable, to try and gather up some scraps of grain for them to live on. What is going to happen to these two vulnerable women? Is there anyone who could help them? And it's at this point in the story that we are introduced to Boaz. Have a look with me in Ruth chapter 2, starting at verse 3. So Ruth went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, she is the Moabitess, who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So as Ruth is working in the fields, the owner of the fields arrives. Boaz. Boaz is a man of standing. He is a rich and well-respected man. And he's in a position of power. But Ruth, well, she's in a position of weakness. And Boaz asks, well, whose young woman is this? Which reminds us that, well, she has no one to look after her. She is all alone without hope in the world. We're also reminded by the foreman that she is a foreigner. She is a Moabitess from Moab. He has to say it twice. Someone who doesn't belong. So we have a man with great power and a woman of great vulnerability. What is this man of power going to do with this woman of vulnerability? Is he going to go the way of other power relationships that we we know of? Is he going to use her for his own ends? We could see that this is a real danger in the situation. Naomi herself later acknowledges that someone might try to harm Ruth as she gathers scraps of grain in the fields. Is Boaz going to harm Ruth? Or might he be something that we don't expect? Might he be the means by which Naomi and Ruth's emptiness is filled, their hopelessness made hopeful? Is he the hero or is he going to be the villain? Well, let's have a look. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 8. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you noticed me, a foreigner? 
And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Wow. Well, we could not have been more wrong about Boaz, could we? What a man. He doesn't use his power for his own ends, but he uses it for Ruth in her vulnerability and brokenness. He protects her from possible harm. He includes her with the other women, drawing her in from the periphery to the middle of the group. He makes it easier for her to quench her thirst while she works. And he speaks gently to her. In short, he shows her kindness. But why? Why this kindness, this remarkable kindness? Well, one thing about this love story is that it doesn't start out with romantic love. That will come later, as we'll see in chapter 3 next week. So my question is, well, if this kindness isn't out of romantic love, then why does Boaz show Ruth this sort of abundant kindness? What's behind it all? And I can see kind of three reasons behind this amazing, generous kindness. The first, I think we could call kind of something like family love. In verse 1, we learn that Boaz is a relative of Naomi's deceased husband. It could be that he is doing all of these things for Ruth because his feelings of obligation and loyalty to his relative's family. Now, the word that is translated kindness in our English Bibles comes from a Hebrew word, hesed, which is used to express the the faithful love and care between members of a family. But I don't think this can be the whole story because Boaz isn't Naomi's nearest relative, as we will learn in chapter 3. So Boaz, he could have felt justified in feeling that there was someone else to whom these feelings of obligation more truly belonged, but he doesn't do that. So another reason why Boaz might be behind this kindness of Boaz, I think we find it in answer to Ruth's explicit question in verse 10. Ruth actually asked the question for us. She asked why she has found such favour in his eyes. And Boaz answers that he has been moved by the kindness, the hesed, that Ruth has shown to Naomi. Boaz sees Boaz sees what Naomi failed to see at the end of chapter 1. Remember, Ruth is standing right there and she's saying, my life is very empty. And we're all going, wait a minute, what about Ruth? But Boaz sees this kindness and he, he wants to some way kind of respond to her kindness with some kindness of his own. But I think we can even see an even deeper reason than this. In verse 12, in the blessings that Boaz speaks to Ruth. See, Boaz asks, 
for the Lord to repay and reward the kindness of Ruth. But it's interesting because as you read the story, you realise, wait a minute, who's the one who is showing kindness to Ruth? Well, Boaz is. He is being the very means by which he's of answering his own prayer. He's expressing the sort of kindness that God has actually shown to him. You see, in Deuteronomy 24, where this idea of gleaning comes from, this is how the Lord tells his people. He says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why I command you to do this. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it, leave it for the alien, the fatherless and the widow. You see, this man has been redeemed by God's kindness. And so he responds with kindness that looks just like his Lord's. Boaz's kindness, like God's kindness, is a strangely abundant kindness. Did you pick that up as we go through? I won't read it for us, but have a look with me in in Ruth chapter 2, verse 17, 14 to 17. There is a generosity here that borders on the extravagance. I'll point out a few things. Look with me at the kindness of Boaz. In verse 16, he not only allows her to pick up leftover grain... But he orders his men to pull out full heads of grain and leave them behind for her. In verse 15 and 16, he protects her, even from the rebukes and the embarrassing words of his workers. In verse 14, he even draws her into the midst of his harvesters, like she belongs there. And he starts to fill up her emptiness. She eats all that she wants and is satisfied, and even has food left over. Imagine if you're like Ruth, and you hadn't actually had a full meal for many, many years, and finally you're stuffed full of food. How good would that feel? And when it's time for her to go home, she has collected an ephah, which is about 22 litres of barley. I've tried to give you a picture of it. 22 litres of barley. I think that would be hard for her to pick up, let alone carry home. And she did this in one day. Now, this is not the amount of barley that you would normally pick up gleaning. Now, gleaning would be like going around picking up aluminium cans and, and checking them in for money. You'd get a tiny amount of money. But this is just abundant kindness, extravagant kindness. And this kind of kindness reminds me of God's kindness. He is gracious and compassionate and abounding in love, just like this. And this is where our two love stories come together. The love story between Boaz and Ruth is a real and tangible expression of the love story between God and Naomi. That's why Boaz's kindness reminds us so much of God's kindness, because it is his kindness. This is what the writer of Ruth has been trying to hint all along. Did you pick up how the writer introduced Boaz in verse 1? 
But he doesn't enter the story until at least verse 4. And then in verse 3, we hear that, well, it just so happened that Ruth accidentally found herself gleaning in the field belonging to Boaz. And then verse 4, well, surprise, surprise, just then, Boaz shows up and takes notice of Ruth. Why do these coincidences feel like they are, well, not actually coincidences, they're actually signs that someone is carefully orchestrating something behind the scenes? Well, we've already read about how Boaz's prayer for the Lord to bless Ruth is answered in actually Boaz's own kindness. And this is another way the writer of Ruth is trying to help us to see how these two love stories actually really go together. But if we missed all of those pointers, we can watch and listen to Naomi as she finally gets it, as Ruth walks in loaded down with 22 litres of barley and dinner of roasted grain already prepared. Have a look with me in verse 18 and 20, 18 to 20. Ruth carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is... Boaz, she said, the Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he, and I think in this context she's talking about the Lord, he, the Lord, has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, the man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. You see, as Naomi sees Ruth, And as she lowers down this 22 litres of barley, she is just energised by hope. All day she has been depressed and bitter and despairing and certain of God's rejection of her. But as she sees what Ruth has brought home, Naomi just kind of comes alive. Hope is bubbling up inside of her. She sees in the kindness of Boaz the kindness of God. And she is overwhelmed as she realises that God is showing this abundant, abundant kindness to her. She says that her Lord has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. God is not against her, but for her. God does care for her and he has given her a tangible sign that has reminded her that God has been for her all along. You see... God redeemed Naomi's people from slavery in Egypt. And he did it in kind of great and miraculous ways. But God has continued to redeem his people in everyday ways. He continues to redeem them through the kindness that his people show each other in the everyday, ordinary acts of kindness and love between those who have been touched by this love for them. Like the kindness and love of people like Ruth and Boaz, who have come to take refuge under this God's wings. 
as God's people, we look back, we also look back to a time when God showed how much he loved us in a great and miraculous way. We look back on the start of the love story between us and God when we are reminded of our Lord's suffering and his dying for us. This was divine kindness. In Titus chapter 3, verse 4, we read, When the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. But you know, sometimes, like Naomi, we his love for us can feel rather academic. It can feel rather distant and in the past. I guess what I'm doing today is asking you to remember in those times when you're tempted to feel bitter, remember that God actually does love you. And it's in those times that God can remind you of his love, his great and miraculous love, through the everyday kindness and love of each other. You know, I experienced this a little while ago. I, I went back to Brisbane uh, for a 10-year physio reunion and I'd been a bit down around that time and um, maybe even a bit bitter against God, like we'd been talking about. So when I called up my a couple of friends in Brisbane to try to catch up with them while I was up there, I was just taken back by their kindness. I said to them, well, how about I make it easy for you? I'll catch the train I'll get nearly close to your place so it won't take you too long to come and pick me up. And they said, oh, no, 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 Anthony. We don't want you to catch the train. We want to come and pick you up from the airport because we want to spend as much time with you as possible. Wow. And when they saw me, they gave me a hug, a real hug, not the kind of just the pat on the back thing, but a hug that kind of said to me, we are glad you are here. And it's exactly what I needed. And I was reading Ruth at the time and it opened my eyes to this link between the love story between God and me and the love story that I had with my friends. And God showed me in the very tangible love that my friends had for me that he loved me, that he cared for me. He hadn't given up on me. So let me invite you to allow the book of Ruth to give you kind of new eyes to see God's love and God's kindness in the kindness that we share with each other. If you have been touched by God's kindness to you, let me also invite you to copy him. Have a look with me in 1 John, verse 4, 7 to 8. Dear friends, let us love one another. Because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And in verse 12, if we know one another, if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. So let me encourage you in your kindness and love for others. Respond to the kindness that God has shown you by copying him. As you do this, you become a means by which others can see that God is kind to them. Can you be a Ruth or a Boaz to someone like Naomi? Your small acts of kindness can change someone's name from bitter to joy. 
who are the people that you know who are in need of kindness? Is there people around you who are vulnerable to injustice and oppression? How could you love them? How could you show them God's type of kindness in real and concrete ways? In the story of Naomi and Ruth, we see God's concern for the foreigner and those who have no support like the widow. How could you show kindness to people like this? who so desperately need some kindness. Maybe you could go out and make some sandwiches and hand them out to people who are so desperately hungry. Maybe you could support a compassion child and have a small act of kindness totally change a life. Maybe we should allow God's concern for the foreigner and the alien to to shape how we see boat people and immigrants more generally rather than listening to the fear of the outsider that many use to keep them on the outside. Maybe we can show them kindness in small ways that will help to turn their situation from one of bitterness to joy. Maybe they might see a bit of kindness and actually see God's kindness as we love them in the small and everyday ways that could make such a difference in their life. So this week, my prayer for us, all of us, is that this story would travel around with us and become our story, a love story inside a love story.